And here's the part where I tell Rob that he's hosting. Are we jabbering beforehand, or are we just going right into it? Get right into it. All right. You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 51. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a kind of entertaining show about very entertaining subjects. We discuss pop culture, entertainment, a little bit of nostalgia. This week, we're going to wrap that nostalgia into our conversation about a new film. Then, based on our conversation, we'll come up with a top five list, things like top five nostalgia films, top five hair metal bands, stuff like that. I'm Rob, and here with my co-host, Jimmy. It's like a nostalgia burrito tonight. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And Greg. Hi. My wife is amazing what she got hold of the script again apparently sure did and together we are the give me five podcast brain trust i'm so concerned as to what she has written further down the script oh boy (laughs) it'll be an adventure Mm -hmm. this week we're going to discuss the summer of 84 new new movie release and that weird video that i have of a goat making out with greg hey i can never get you it's as if it's as if you can read your own name or you're maybe you're incapable of reading your own name. Like Beetlejuice, I can't say it myself. Three times. Guys, this is a review show, and there's going to be some spoilers. However, this movie is not in wide release, and we're going to try our best not to spoil some of the best parts. But we are going to discuss more things like what we thought about how it was made, what we thought about the casting, all that kind of stuff. So it could, could be stuff that makes your enjoyment of the movie better. But anyway, if you did not know that One-Eyed Willie sailed all the way to Astoria, Oregon, or that if you live in the suburbs, Astoria? Oh, my God. What? Rob didn't know. Thanks for ruining it for me. Oh, I ruined uh, one of those Goonies, 1987, I think. I thought that was Wayne's World. I was going to say, I thought it was like 84. No, it's not that old. It's not that old? 83? No. Come on with the, hey, it's not that old thing. (laughs) Some of us were born in 84. Yes. Anyway, or that if you live in the suburbs, that weird, quiet neighbor of yours is definitely a serial killer. Then you might want to pause the show and come back later. If you guys would like to get in contact with us, you can find us on our Facebook page by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. As with any of these tags, it is F-I-V-E spelled out. Hopefully you know that by now. If you want to interact with us on Twitter or Instagram, we have the same handle. That is at GiveMe5Pod. If you want to email us directly any embarrassing pictures of Greg or Rob, send them to GiveMe5Podcast at gmail.com. So once you know our handle, you can totally get hold of us. Absolutely. And we will respond. Now, this conversation hasn't necessarily happened yet. But I have a feeling that we're going to devolve into a little bit of conversation about like urban legends from your specific city. From your? Like where we grew up. Not the movie Your. From all of our specific cities. And okay. if you guys out there listening have any weird urban legends from where you grew up, we would love to hear them. And I'm, oh, we always love to hear that stuff. Yeah. And we will, of course, if it's 
if you want, we'll read it on the air. We can chat about it, stuff like that. We, I love weird, spooky stories from various parts of the world and stuff. So please send those in to those various email addresses that you said before. And we'll remind you again when we, if we end up talking about that stuff. Yeah. And by the way, when I Willie was found in 1985. Oh, all right then. The year after Jimmy was born. That was an okay year. So thank you in advance, guys. If you could leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app that you get the Give Me Five podcast delivered, it helps us stand out. It helps us uh, be found and interact with more people. We also have a store. You can support the, sh- the show that way. I'm already tripping over my words. But check out. We need all the support we can <laughs> give get. Me five podcast.threadless.com. You can find all kinds of cool Give Me Five podcast branded merchandise, and it is all very cool. We are working on getting some more weird stuff on there, but for now, you can buy a a bath mat with our wonderful logo on it. And also, if you guys check the description of each episode, you can find an Amazon link that you can click on. You can make your everyday purchases that you make through Amazon. does not charge you anything extra, but a very small percent of that goes back to us to help us pay for space and server costs. So what's new, guys? Uh, you hinted at this last week, Jimmy, mm-hmm. when we were talking about Gunship with Mr. Tim Capello. If you guys have not listened to episode 50, Side B, please check that out. It was an awesome interview with with Mr. Tim Capello from uh, Lost Boys. But you mentioned at some point that Gunship has a contest out or a call for people to reenact scenes from their favorite 80s movies that they will put in their next video. Uh, the name of the song is When You Grow Up, Your Heart Dies, which I'm pretty sure is a reference to The Breakfast Club, if I remember correctly. And they show a bunch – if you go to the Gunship website, which is gunshipmusic.com, you can see a, just a bunch of images of uh, animated GIFs. GIF, yeah. GIFs, yes, GIFs. And there's a bunch okay. of ones like you know the Idol Swap from Indiana Jones. Uh, there's the Twins from The Shining, which you kind of forget is an 80s movie because it's so early in the 80s. Yeah, it was what, like 81? It was 81. Uh, The Say Anything Boombox, a bunch of scenes from from Breakfast Club. And you can reenact those those clips. They say to send in one copy of it. It can be like a cell phone video, but it has to be um, in panoramic view, not straight up and down. That's bad. That's bad. Exactly. And if you want to be in a worldwide release music video, you guys can do that. I kind of want to do it, guys. I think we definitely I think we should. should. Yeah. I think we should pick something and do it. Yeah, it has to be one of the ones that is in the on the web page, but there's a lot. Heck yeah! Well, I I it not related to anything that we're doing here, but I told Jimmy earlier, and you can totally cut this if you want. But I took my uh, I actually took my test for my national certification today, so I got my CNOR today. Ooh! Congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you, thank you, thank you. All of those times playing doctor, and it finally paid off. Yes, all of your suffering was not for nothing. Mm-hmm. We take, really, take these stitches out now? Oh, God. Moving right along, I really don't have anything. And just for the purposes of advancing this episode, I'm just going to cut you two off. That I did see today that is the Lego minifigure 40th anniversary. So 40 years ago this week, they released the very first Lego minifigure, which, of course, changed the fortunes of Lego. One of the many times that, that happened, as we discussed a couple weeks ago. Since since like every other week, Lego was on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah, pretty much. And they it was they had a it was just a little tiny guy, but the the first one I believe was a policeman. But they're at the 40th anniversary, and it just kind of made me think 
what did you guys have a favorite Lego minifigure ever? No, you weren't a Lego no. guy, really. You guys weren't Lego guys. Hmm. Not the I didn't buy the little one-off little figures. Well, the, the ones that set. came. I'm talking about the ones that came with the set. Like, were you a space uh, guy or a, a Knights guy or anything like that? I was not really a Lego kid. The correct answer there is the Blacktron space guys. The first ones with the cool little like tinted black visors, and they were awesome. That means nothing to me. You're such a nerd. But I'm a nerd that had an awesome childhood, and I got to play with Legos. So, moving on, you soulless heathens. Uh, there was one other news story. Um, have you guys ever, had you ever used a dog sitter before, or a house sitter, or anything like that? No, I, I, I have not. We'd considered it when, when, when we still had Shalo, but the, uh, I, I wasn't comfortable with giving somebody the keys to my house. Yeah, you are probably the smart one. Although I have, in fact, used one. They've all been people I've known, and they've been very trustworthy. But there, uh, there is a app out there called Wag, and it is a mm-hmm. dog sitting kind of dog walking app. You can find people. It's like Uber, but for dog walkers, right? Okay. So apparently, this former uh, Olympian swimmer, uh, a guy, he got home early and found after hiring a dog walker, and he found two shirtless men, a camcorder, and a bottle of lube in his house, like sitting on his couch. He said the couch, the house smelled terrible. There was random bodily fluids on said couch. And the dog, the dog sitter that he had hired was not one of these men. It was a a female and she was nowhere to be found. Mind you, this is just someone that's supposed to pop by like, you know, I guess walk the dog and then leave. Uh, He showed up. This was at 1am mind you. But anyway, he, um, so he, he returns home. He's like, where's the dog sitter? She comes out of the shower, you know, towel wrapped around her, like, you know, drying off. Like and, she owns the place. Yeah. It's like, oh. And her excuse for why there was lube on the table was, um, let's see here. I'm trying to find it real quick. Oh, here it is. Uh, she said, to be completely honest, I didn't have do- my WD-40 and my keys were stuck in my car. So I ended up grabbing what I had in my car for things that, you know, I do in my personal time. And I didn't put it back in my car, she said. <laughs> when asked about what was going on on the couch, she says, I wouldn't know anything about that because kn- you know that I took a shower at the house and I was on the couch in a towel, but that was before my friends got here. She did not explain why the friends were shirtless on the couch or why there was a camcorder there. Or so. why she decided that nece- it was necessary to take a shower in a house that she was just supposed to be walking a dog in. Correct. Uh, also, Who gets hired to walk a dog at 1 a.m.? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I think this whole story is BS. I'm I'm thinking I won't be giving my key to any dog walkers in the future. Now this is a this is a legit story. There's also uh, they did find the dog was locked in a room and had not been walked because the dog did make a mess on the floor. Uh, they did do a bunch of recognition checks and uh, the dog sitter had a 4.96 rating out of five. <laughs> she wasn't walking dogs. <laughs> That's also her uh, rating on Pornhub as well. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And she had done 305 dog walks, which is, you know, make your... Is that what we're calling it now? Yes, that's what we're calling it now. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that was just something that I happened to catch. And I was like, really? You couldn't even come up with a better excuse than that. I love stupid stories like that. Uh, well, at least it wasn't in Florida. It was in Colorado. Anyway, let's move on. And... <laughs> Move on to Snap Decisions. On Snap Decisions, what we usually do 
is we talk about some little bit of news that caught our attention, and then we have about one minute, we try to keep it to a minute, to answer a question. Now, my very first news story and question might make Jimmy vomit. So he is going to step away from the podcast for approximately two or three minutes. Yeah. Because he he really does not want to hear my answer because, yes, I, I have seen worse. I don't. And I was talking with Greg about this earlier. He was like, oh, it's not as, as bad as that. So I'm going to give you guys a warning as well. This edition of Snap Decisions is brought to you by GrowShit.com, and I don't want to hear it. So I'll be back when you guys are <laughs> talking, done talking. Not quite that bad, but here we go. So the, one of the news stories I saw this week was that an MMA, an MMA fighter named Bryce Mitchell was doing some work in his house. He put a drill in his pocket as he was getting off a ladder or something, and it activated, and it twisted his scrotum around the drill bit. Uh, upon deciding to go the other direction with it, it tore it in half. So my question for you, Mr. CNOR, mm -hmm. have you treated worse? With Without having seen the picture, um, I mean, I... I could say yes. I I have definitely I I've treated some very nasty uh, issues. Probably one of the worst was a abscess in the scrotum. Um, it gotten the size of a grapefruit. It was pretty disgusting. Um, but I've also seen worse injury, or I've seen and heard about worse injuries than that. So yes, I other without seeing the picture, I couldn't tell you if I've treated worse myself. But I've definitely heard of worse. He, he did post a picture of his boxer shorts on, on the Twitter or the Instagram or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was uh, red. We'll just go with that. Yeah, I, I think one of the worst one of the worst injuries that I that I'd personally ever seen um, was a was a motorcycle accident. Ugh. Yeah, see, that's not fun. No, not at all. Anyway, it has been one minute. That is actually the sound of someone getting their scrotum ripped in half. Why? Super painful. Yes. Yeah. Jimmy, welcome back. Did did he just tape it up and then go fight in the ring? Okay. Oh no. It was it was in between. It was he was he had to cancel a match because of it. It was kind of in the training period. Ah. Excellent. And I believe that was Snap Decisions. Alright guys, so over the weekend we finally got to see a movie that we've been really excited about. It is called Summer of Eighty Four. It's from the creators of Turbo Kid. And we got to see it at the Enzian Theater in its limited release. We are talking about it now. We are going to do our very best to avoid spoilers because it is available available on video on demand. And, and, it's, and, we, and it's a great movie and we really don't want to ruin it for anybody that wants to see we it. fully expect you guys to check it out. And let I know, know it's definitely you. available on Amazon Prime. I'm not sure about okay. any. How, and how much? How much is it to rent on Amazon Prime? I will look that up. Probably like four ninety nine or something like that. So well worth it. Um, even if uh, four ninety nine to rent or nine ninety nine to buy, it's worth buying. That's less than the price of of any of the three of us paid for a ticket. Yeah, true. And we were actually joined by the young gentleman who recommended the movie to us so you'll hear a bit from him as well yeah. during this episode we interviewed he came with us as jimmy just said we interviewed him right afterwards we we're also joined by someone else who we will surprise you with later well we will surprise you with the story about him in a little bit oh i was like who's here <laughs> i was like wait what awesome oh we're, we're working on that one so the movie itself we're going to avoid a lengthy 
breakdown of it is about a group of kids who are convinced that they know who the s- serial killer in their town is. Uh, it's set in the summer of 1984. That's a huge spoiler. So sorry about <laughs> that. The ta- That's also the name of the movie. Oh, they said it. They the said tagline it. of the movie I love is every serial killer lives next door to someone. And I love that because, as we're going to probably discuss later, this is one of those things that I think every kid did where they were always wondering about the strange house down the street or that one weird family that just moved in and they would you know, ride their bikes and hang around the house at night and try to see what was going on, try to, you know, maybe look in the windows <laughs> while playing, of course, Manhunt. and Which is strangely, well, not strangely, I, I can't really say that, but has a, a very large following up in, yeah, in Canada. Yeah, that's actually a very weird conversation that we ended up having today, and we'll, of course, get into that in a little bit. But we've already said we all loved it, correct? I'm not yes. too sure if I did or not, but I loved it. Well played, Jenny. Well played. And this movie achieved everything it did on a very small budget, which I'm not sure what the budget is, but the people that make Turbo Kid, which, what is it, RKSS? Is that the, yeah, RKSS, which, do you know what that stands for? Actually, I just learned yeah. that today. Um, I think I knew, but I, I thought it was the initials know. of the directors that I'm like, well, that's not right. It is a roadkill superstar. Which is something that yeah, they thought of on a drunken night and then decided the initials would were just as fine. But they, t- they tend to do things with smaller budgets, and they get a lot out of them. They always seem to grab at least one well-known actor. And they did this in a is a 22-day shoot. Yeah, I was, I was amazed with that. that. That blows my mind. And that's actually even more amazing when you read more about it because there's a lot of children actors in that. And the American actors had to, had to stop at midnight filming. And the Canadian actors had to stop at 2 a.m. So they couldn't do the all-night filming. That So they had to be on point with their acting because there's a lot of scenes at night. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, I mean, really well planned out, really well written. And, um, you know, it really came together. And it made a movie that was suspenseful for me. I was on the edge of my seat. For the most part, yeah. The uh, A lot of the, they did a really good job with the, oh, is he barking up the wrong tree? Or... Oh, maybe it's, maybe it's somebody else, or maybe it's this guy, or maybe it's that lady or something. You know, they, they, they did a lot of really good misdirection. Yes. I felt. Yeah, definitely. And I can't find the budget anywhere, but it doesn't matter because it's awesome. Yeah, they did. When you're saying the misdirection, like they'll, they did that thing where like the beginning, you're like, oh, this is an open shut case. Of course that, of course, so-and-so is the killer. And then little things would happen. You're like, well, maybe this seems too convenient. And then, like, something happened right at the point where in any other movie, it would, like, or any TV show, it would be like, oh, this was the real thing that happened, was going on. And then it's made you question it again, and then something else happened. So I thought it was a really interesting way of doing it. Although it was pushed, like, mm-hmm. some of this, the doubt started coming in 45 minutes to an hour into the movie, which I thought was really good. Because it, it, from being like, okay, this is creepy and weird, too. Maybe this is too creepy and weird. It it kept you guessing a little bit. This movie is drawing a lot of comparisons to Stranger Things, and I believe a lot of those negative reviews are are coming from a very harsh comparison. So now that you know how I feel, do you think it's fair or unfair that this movie is compared to Stranger Things and not movies that you know we're familiar with growing up in, say, for example, Stand By Me? Which I think it's a lot closer to than Stranger Things. Yeah. 
every review I've seen has compared it to Stranger Things in some way or the other. A lot of people saying it might be unfair to compare this to, and well, in some ways I think it is because I mean I, I see where the comparison is coming from, um, but I mean the comparison is largely just because they're both based in the eighties. I mean, and and they're both kind of a suspense thing, whereas but Stranger Things is more of a supernatural, if you will, mm-hmm. whereas um, whereas Summer of '84 is pretty much your straight up horror suspense flick. Yes. So, so some people say it's like Stephen is trying to compare Stephen King versus Steven Spielberg, you know, whereas you know, Stranger Things is more of a Stephen King type story, and mm-hmm. Summer of '84 is more of a Spielberg kind of suspense with kids. But I definitely think it's it's a little bit of an unfair comparison, especially when both of these entities were created separate of each other. It's not like the people went out and saw Stranger Things. They're like, oh, I want to write this story. They had been working on it for a while. Yeah, I, and I almost view it as more of a um, as a horror suspense type Goonies. Yes, I actually think so too. Or even a, a kid or period appropriate version of like Rear Window. Or Disturbia. Yeah, and even with like, Summer of 84, I didn't, there were some references to 80s stuff in Summer of 84, but it's, it was more illusions, whereas in other 80s things and Stranger Things and stuff like that, there's, you get like heavy references. It'll be like, you know, right. well, they, I can't come out because I have to go see Star Wars with my, so or Return of the well, Jedi. Oh, and, and the 80s was really more of just like a setting as opposed to any kind of like, um plot thing because they didn't really reference anything in the 80s the only thing that really played that really had like any kind of impact um as far as this movie was concerned is the lack of cell phones yeah that's that's true that's really the only thing that that having been set in the 80s made any kind of difference as to i mean because otherwise it could have been set you know today yeah and uh, uh cameras everywhere like video cameras everywhere right did you guys have, or did you know anyone who had walkie-talkies that powerful? I like, this not. is an honest question. Did you know anyone who could talk to somebody else on a walkie-talkie, you know, four or five, six, a block down? No, just, like, one room over, and it was fuzzy. Yeah. Mine were, like, the G.I. Joe walkie-talkies. They they weren't getting anything anywhere. Yeah, like the toy walkie-talkies that he had. I mean, they didn't they didn't really go very far. I mean, the walkie-talkies that I had, you remember the uh, the park in our neighborhood where we grew up, Greg? That was mm-hmm. kind of, like, near my house? Yeah, yeah. Um, the walkie-talkies that I had wouldn't even like span the distance of that park. <laughs> yeah, that's about right, and it's it was not the world's biggest park. It is now, but it was not. They tore down all the woods. It's now a giant park. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. The woods were like the most fun part, they except were. you couldn't ride a bike through them because it was sand because it was freaking Florida. But anyway, one of the main things I really liked about this, speaking of park and kids and all that stuff, were the the kid actors in this. I thought that they, as a group of friends. They seem very realistic, and and the not so kid actors. Well, one yeah. of them, one of them was not a kid actor. Actually, actually, two of them two, were two, two, yeah. Um, the actor that played Woody, who as our our mini surprise, that's not that much of a surprise, but it was a surprise to us. He was actually at the movie theater that we saw the movie at. The actor that played the character Woody. Yeah, what we were standing in line, and and wasn't it you, Rob, who looked and go, who said, "Oh, look, the kid from Mount Dora who's in the movie is is here." Uh, someone, the guy behind us said it. Yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't me. Okay, because yeah. I got there late. The guy behind us told us. Yeah, you guys were holding my spot in line. So that was um, Caleb Emery, who is he is in a bunch of stuff on TV right now. He's he was in the Goosebumps Goosebumps movie and the, the Gumbump. Yeah, the Goosebumps. 
And he's on the TV series Good Girls. So that's a, a weekly TV series. And he happened to be in this movie. He's on, on that show with uh, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. Speaking of, we're going to talk about Mad Men in a little bit as well. But he was there. And we got a chance to meet him and talk to him. And he did a little Q&A. And it, it was really cool. And I think, well, Jimmy and I kind of asked the question to him of this group of friends. Hang on. Go ahead and say it. What? It's okay. What? You were a little nervous to ask it. I was. I was. I didn't know how to phrase the question. But Jimmy phrased it properly and basically said you guys seem like you were a really tight group of friends how yeah, did no you... you were you were just like you were like i don't know how to ask it and i just bah! and i was, how did you do that how did you give that appearance and now yeah. mind how... you at the time i didn't know it was a 22 day shoot at that time and he came out and said like first of all that he was concerned about that because he was he's 23 and all of them were under 18 i thought he said he was 22 but it's splitting hairs yes but he was, you know, he he well, didn't know how is how is he going to like relate to these kids, even though it's only you know five years, six years, whatever. That and I believe two of the other actors were based out of Canada. So go ahead uh, they, with what you're. Well, they say. did, and knowing that it wasn't all of them. Yeah, so some of them got together and did an escape room, and there's an I re- yeah. So I heard that. I thought that was cool. There was actually an article about it, and the director said they were a little concerned that there would be like. Yeah, you know, they would fail the escape room or something like that and get in an argument, and then it would be like trouble on the set. <laughs> it's like, okay. But it's kind of a cool way of like them getting to know each other, and like they legit seem like a good group of friends. And the thing I thought was cool was like you learned a lot about the kids throughout the movie just by little cutscenes and watching them interact with each other, but also watching them like in the rare times that they were home with their families. Yeah, you, you got a, a glimpse into some of the problems that came with, um, you know, suburbia, I, I guess these problems exist everywhere, but you know, there were abusive relationships, um, with families. There were instances of depression, alcoholism, um, addiction. Yes. So it really, now you didn't see that in every character, but you know, it really, um, humanized mm-hmm. the character and it was, you know, that they're, dealing with a lot of the same problems that a lot of kids deal with at home. Yeah, and I thought it was a, a really strong way of showing some of that stuff because some of it was revealed in ways that the people reacted versus just showing it and telling it. Like, I thought that Woody's That's- reaction when someone made fun of his mom very early in the movie, which was then, if you remember that later on when you see Woody interacting with his mom, was really well written and really well, I guess, edited and filmed. Or it was as simple as, uh, hey, man, can I... Can I just stay at your house tonight? Mm-hmm. I just I can't be home right now. Yeah. So I thought that that made the stakes of the movie higher for the characters. So we we see them getting together a lot and um, interacting as a group. Um, one of the things that they did a lot of was playing manhunt. And I got to ask you guys: Did was was that something that you guys ever played? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, I totally played. I I had so much fun playing that in large groups and stuff. So I think it's kind of interesting that, like, I think every town, every neighborhood had its own rules for manhunt. Like, these kids uh-huh. ha- had flashlights. Uh-huh. And we, that was like a strict no-no. Like, if you had a flashlight, mm-hmm. you were cheating. Uh-huh. Um, how did you guys do it? Like, how did you guys do the, the jailbreak kind of thing? We actually called it jailbreak in my town. I, well, I, I play, I actually played, um, both ways. There was a, <laughs> not a word. Um, there was, <laughs> yeah, you did. There, there was a version of the game. There was a version of the game that we used flashlights with. And that was, but we actually called it flashlight tag. 
Okay. So it, you yep. played at night and you went running out into the woods, uh, you know, you went running out into wherever and you hid. And then there were like three or four people who had flashlights and the, and the object, or actually everybody had flashlights, but when you hid, you turned yours off, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the object was, you know, for the people who were seeking to go out and find as many people as they could with the flashlights. And if you could get back to home base before they tagged you with the flashlights, you were safe. Ah. See, yeah, we did it. I, I played a variation of that. Yeah, we did it a little different. We, uh, we all went out hiding and we all like had our outfits where it was like all like, like I wore my old like ninja costume mm-hmm. from when I, from Halloween and we would go and hide and stuff. And I was actually the youngest kid. So I could hide like up inside of like evergreen trees and stuff and no one could ever find me. But once all your teammates got caught or when your teammates got caught, they went to someone's back porch and you could run and touch the porch and release everybody. And then they were all go scampering off and the team would have to try to find them again. Nice. Yep. And yeah, I'm not that about right. I by the time I'd gotten to Chesapeake, Virginia, and I was about eight, I think. Um, we were surrounded by a lot of undeveloped, you know, uh, developing communities and and um, subdivisions that we weren't really allowed to go back there. But when I lived in in Norfolk, I just really kind of tagged along with whatever my brother did. Mm-hmm. So there there were flashlights, and, and you know that was flashlight tag. I can remember, um, you know, being in jail. Or, you know, rescuing the, you know, other people from captivity, I guess you could say, like you did. Mm-hmm. And I, it's weird because I can't see anyone playing that now. Not just because people want to just be in playing video games, but... Not safe. You know, it just seems not safe, even though it's probably equally as safe as it was back then. Yeah. Just we know more. Well, and and, and I was going to say the other version of the game that I played was... was you Because we, we had a version that we played in the daylight as well, and we just called that War. And basically we would go into the park and, you know, so many people would go hide. And then it was the one person's job to kind of seek them out and try and find them and sneak up on them or whatever and, and get people out that way. Now, Rob, you, you said you liked to hide inside of that van that had free candy sprayed on, spray painted on the side of it. I did. They never found me there. Exactly. <laughs> um, I just as, you know, not, uh, not totally related, but we actually had uh, neighborhood by neighborhood like football teams we had little playbooks and everything oh wow yeah totally done without our parents we would just go from neighborhood to neighborhood with our bikes like little gangs huh. yeah so not scary yeah right yeah we were we were the actually the we were the baseball furies no it's not you true. walk around with baseball bats with nails hit through them and stuff but yeah i, re- I will i will start the off this cavalcade of weird urban legends but this was less an urban legend than something that actually did happen to us uh, while playing manhunt and at one at one point so we played i lived on a street that was basically a big circle so it was more of an oval and so all the houses in the center were back to back and they all had like the shrubs that went along the entire backyard but also like in between the houses so for every four houses you can add like a plus sign of shrubs so of course i was hiding kind of in there and my back was to one of those cinder block walls. And all of a sudden, these like giant rocks kept like started flying, like the big river rocks, like one of them landed in the yard and kind of bounced and rolled. And someone was like, dude, stop throwing rocks. And, you know, I was about to run up and get to jail. So another rock landed and then like and then one landed right next to my head. Like I was I was sitting in some river rocks behind like a little like pine tree and a river rock landed on the ground next to my head. And I looked up and there was a dude standing there. And I remember he was wearing like what appeared to be blue jean overalls, but it was dark. The moon was behind him. And I can remember seeing this like evil, like gleam in his eye. And I freaked out and uh, I ran 
and I ran like towards the jail. So far away. Hmm? You ran so far away. Yeah, I and I ran. I ran so far away. No, yeah. I ran towards the jail, but of course everyone thought I was going towards it, and they came towards me, and I was like, no, there was some like I don't care, tag me, but there was someone over there. And we ended up like scattering and trying to figure out who this person was. I remember all the like the kids that had older brothers, like the older brothers were sent by the parents to like bring people home. And there was like there was actually like a legit thing to like that people were like very, very concerned about. Wow. <laughs> so we that was probably the last time we ever played because they they knew the next morning when they saw like the river rocks and stuff like that in the yard. Um it was most likely one of the like the crazy old man that whose yard I was near that was mm-hmm. like trying to scare us away. But at the same time, it was, you know, that was the, I believe that was the end of my manhunt playing days until I moved to Canada. <laughs> Let's go, boys. Yes. It's apparently in Canada, still a thing. Nice. Yeah, no, I, we, we just, we played a lot of football in the, in the yards, you know, after we moved to, uh, to Chesapeake and, and that's, it's more of what I can remember from being, being older, but, um, we built a lot of, we went in the woods a lot because, we didn't play tag in the woods. We just kind of went out and explored. We were kind of always on the hunt for monsters and, and things like that. And always concerned we were going to come across a, a group of Satanists um, listening to their heavy well, metal the, in the woods. That was the, the Satan scare back then, too. It, yeah, def- most definitely was. Yeah, we're, we're, go into the woods or you'll be abducted by a Satanic cult. Yeah. And what's interesting is it seems like we're getting off track. We, we kind of are, but we're not. Because the reason why they set this movie in 1984 is because they said this is the year that summer lost its innocence and these the people that wrote the movie and filmed the movie of course are canadian which was why we keep making the canada jokes but they they said that like i love canada i'm not talking anything bad about canadia except for their bacon it's god awful terrible bacon it's ham yeah won't even go there but anyway so they said that like it was the summer 84 and started things started going weird and they also said something like we we know that in the united states it happened a little bit sooner so I started looking that up and it was eight. Yeah. I, I just had to look because the first thing that I thought of was Adam Walsh. That's exactly what it was in the early eighties. It was Adam oh, Walsh. 81, 1981. Yep. That's exactly what I looked up. So there's a few things I was yep. looking at. One suburbanization started in the fifties and that's when people moved out of the cities into the suburbs because cars were readily available and roads and all this stuff. And People always say, well, you know, it was such a safe area. We used to keep our doors unlocked and all this stuff. But in the early 80s, the Adam Walsh thing took off. And that's when they started with the the milk cartons with the missing people. And it's not like the stuff didn't happen before, but it was more widely reported. And that's so it was 81-ish that things started really taking off on that. Yeah, he was, he, he was found, I guess he was found July 27th, 1981. Mm-hmm. In Florida, which I wasn't living there yet. Is, is died. Yeah, July yeah. 27th, 1981. Yeah. So what's... In Hollywood, Florida. So that was that was right in our backyard. Yeah. Well, I wasn't there yet, but yes. But that is one of the things that you know made it so that, you know, oh, well, be careful of that car. And I remember the car that they told for me. I remember the, exactly what they told me, what car to stay away from, because there might have been a kidnapper that was trying to grab people. And where it was a white Buick with a red vinyl top like a burgundy red vinyl top. And they said, if that ever stops near you, run. And this was, you know, what, 30 years ago? Well, more than that, over like 35 years ago. And I still remember like being terrified of that. Yeah. Um, and that, of course, so that's why kind of we're, we're focusing on this because it's it's interesting. And we all used to like ride around our bikes and try to figure out what these urban legends were. And like, Jimmy, you said you were in the woods all the time. Yeah, pretty much. And that was the, you know, the, did you find the satanic cult? Did you find the... 
You know, I could swear we did one time and it was probably just a bunch of rednecks. But <laughs> you know, we were just like, oh god, they saw us. They're gonna run after us and put on their goat skulls and that that was that was a, a big thing. There was also the hey, don't stay out past, you know, the and I don't mean to make light of this, but don't stay out past the uh the street lights or you'll end up on a milk carton, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't have the street light thing. Um, yeah, I no? didn't have the streetlight thing either. No, because I uh, where I grew up, there weren't streetlights. I remember racing home, like when they were coming on. Yeah, we had the gas lights, which were always on, so we didn't have that. Would you grow up in the 1860s? <laughs> I didn't have gas lights. <laughs> Watch Greg out for Jackson Ripper kid. Village back in the uh, 1820s. <laughs> Mom would pay me four pence to go down. <laughs> Well, you and better finish her, that statement because you don't want to leave it there. And <laughs> and bring her <laughs> a goose. There you go. You guys are awful. Yes. No, we, I where I live, we have these like these little gas lights. They had like these little nets in them and, and stuff like that. And so we, they they didn't like turn on at night. They were just yes. always on. What? Yeah, I don't think guy going around. Must have been, it must have been a northern thing. That's funny. No, they, they were just they were just always on. It was not some dude that used to light them at night night to night. Nor he was, had to go, nor had to go around ripper. periodically and refill the gas. He'd say, hello there, family Marcus. <laughs> Have a nice evening. And he'd tip his hat. Tip his top hat. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then he'd hop back in his horse-drawn carriage and go away. Lovely evening. What Stick his here? thumbs in the top part of his vest. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, did, uh, well, you lived in Florida, Rob. So you, so and you, walk away swinging his pocket watch on his chain. Just in a circle. Well, y'all have a lovely night now. <laughs> You're terrible. terrible. Nobody ever thought that guy was weird. <laughs> Everyone thought that guy was weird. So, <laughs> you you people. Anyway, and I've just watched like eight movies on Jack the Ripper too. But nice. Different type of gaslights. I, I didn't have a ton of like urban legend stuff, but I there, there was, I remember an area where I grew up was a little townhome community. And like it, down at one of the corners, there was this overgrowth of, of trees but it was really weird because it it had like i don't know probably like 15 trees in the area but they were kind of around the thing and they formed this canopy that went up and over so it was like this this um hut basically like you could walk into the trees and it was like this dome of just stuff you know in the trees and there was like branches that crisscrossed in the area and whatnot and it was like giant piles of leaves um you know it to to, to me as a kid it it looked a lot like the the swamp scene from Dagobah. So all the kids in the neighborhood uh-huh. called that Yoda's place. So this is where you should have started your satanic cult. Yes, yes. At least that, that, somebody that may have been what inspired it. Actually, so if you like hung out there and then like left stuff, people like Jimmy could have wandered by and been like, "Aha, this is a satanic cult." When it was really just like <laughs> a comic book you were reading and like a country CD or something. Just some dudes drinking beer in the woods, you know. It, it it was just kind of instilled in us that that's what it always was. If there was a a house with with overgrowth, that's because there were people performing human sacrifices mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, we found a, a little extreme, but you know, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and uh, you know, oh, don't don't look in there. You know, there's satanic symbols in the windows. I even remember a house on like Margaret Booker Drive, and in Chesapeake, Virginia, that we. We could have swore we saw pentagrams in the windows, you know, that kind of thing. It was Christmas, and there was a pentagram on top of this tree, and it was glowing. Not quite, but, uh, you know. A friend of mine and, and I thought we ran into the uh, the Satan cult in the woods, and we thought they chased us. 
but like thinking back, we had gone there. We found like one of those, you know, those lanterns. It's like a flashlight at like, that's attached to like a giant car battery from back in the day. It was like a, an 80s style lantern. And I remember we were like throwing rocks at that and doing all sorts of stuff. And people did chase us away from there. And it occurs to me that it was less satanic cult wanting to sacrifice us and more people pissed off that we broke their flashlight would be the probably <laughs> the, the the more likely thing. But when you're back in the day, you, you inevitably think that, you know, you little are, bastards. Yeah, you think that things are more evil than they really are, um, which, of course, brings us back to the movie where this kid definitely thinks that his neighbor is is a serial killer because of yeah. because of something he sees in the house. Yeah, and the um, character you're talking about, Davy, he's got a very active imagination. Um, mm-hmm. In his room, he's got posters all over his room of conspiracy theories and UFOs and, and things like that. And what really sets off his imagination for one of the people they suspect is their neighbor. He goes in, and his neighbor's like, hey, buddy, here's the money for your newspaper. Why don't you come on in and help me with a desk? Which that could have happened back then. It never happened now, but um, they get this desk downstairs into the basement, and and Davy sees a padlock on this guy's door. That's, that's weird. Why does he have a padlock on like a? Why does he have a padlock on a door downstairs? In his basement. Yeah, and that's what causes his mind to start. What wandering. are you hiding? It's yeah. not just he's the weird guy because the actor that plays this neighbor is first of all he's a, he's a police officer. Second of all, the actor that plays him is a guy named Rich Summer, who um, one of the shows we really like is Glow, and he plays the ex-husband of, was it Lady Liberty or, forget the Liberty Liberty character. Liberty Bell. Liberty Bell. So he plays her ex-husband. And he's he's a sleaze, but he's not like a creepy sleaze. And he also played one of the like nicer, more like friendly characters on Mad Men. So the casting is great. He's a little bit of a more well-known actor. And he can go. He can either be like, "Wow, this is just a friendly neighbor," or maybe there's something creepy going on. Yeah, and, and they and play with that a lot. They do, they do. And as the movie progresses, it's, well, is it him or isn't him? Oh, well, it may not be him. Well, it might be him, or it might not. Oh, it might be this person over here, or it might be this person. Well, it might be him again. I, and, and they just they just keep messing with you throughout the whole movie. And like I said, they did an excellent job with that misdirection. Yeah, and there are, there's evidence for, like, everyone, every suspect that they name. Right. Oh, well, it's got to be this guy. He works at the hardware store, and, you know, he does this, or she does that, or there's even the characters that you go, oh, you know what? I bet it's her, or and I bet it's him. This person has a bad family life. Maybe they're taking it out on people that don't, stuff like that. Yeah, and the um... – it, I, I was going to make the, the comparison that he's he's kind of like, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the Goonies, but he's kind of like Chunk um, from the Goonies in that you remember when uh, Chunk was trying to call the police officer to tell him about the Fratellis. And, yeah, Chunk and, was the, the overexcited one. Go ahead. Yeah. No, so and, da- uh, Davey, right, you're talking about saying right, Davey. Right. And, and nobody believed him because he had such a fantastical imagination, basically, is what I was getting at. Yeah, and and Davy was kind of that kid in this movie, mm-hmm. and I think that another thing the time period does is as you're watching the movie now, characters will do stuff, and you're like, well, back then was that considered creepy? And uh, Jimmy, we yeah. talked about the the part today where you know there's a character that is watching kids, just not their own kids, just watching kids play, and it's like and like sitting just sitting in a lawn chair drinking a beer, and it's like, well, that would be considered creepy today, like I yeah. if. Like offering if, kids popsicles. <laughs> yeah, like 
if one of my neighbors was out watching my kid play, I would make sure I stayed out there and was like, what's going on? And yeah. I'm pretty good friends with most of my neighbors. Um, so they do a really good job of, of that's you know, yet another reason where this time period helps make the movie. It's not just a, well, we think the eighties are cool. Let's do it back then. No, it's, it right. helps that there's no cell phones. It helps that the innocence is just becoming lost. Right. They get, they get away with a lot that wouldn't, that wouldn't fly today because of the time that it's set in. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not even sure anybody today still leaves their doors unlocked. And if any of you guys do let us know uh, your address as well. <laughs> there, there was uh, a few little interesting things about the killer when we finally reveal who the killer is. And I'm, I, I'm trying to be as vague as possible here because I found this very interesting when they they walk through the killer's lair and his den of evil. I, I think you're okay with that. Yeah, and it's it's it looks like his childhood. Like it looks like the killer's own childhood. And I thought that was really interesting because, again, being the the true crime podcast listener of the group here, a lot of the serial killers and true crime people have had very bad childhoods, and in some cases are either trying to like save the people that they're killing almost like a you know i gave them a chance to to be not drug addicts and whatever and they didn't take that chance so i'm going to send them to a better place kind of thing or they had just very rough childhoods and they they tend to try to reenact those with other with other things there's a bunch of different psychoses and stuff like that that go along with it that i'm not remotely qualified to talk about but they hint at some of that stuff when they finally reveal who the killer is and I thought that uh-huh. was really, really interesting, and it made me want to know more. And it's like what ten seconds of flashlight, you know, lit up scene, and that's about it. Which I thought was, I thought that was really good, and it also made me like wanting more. It, yeah, definitely for me too. Um, it was a honestly, it was a little hard to focus at this point. And and Kerwin, I told you I'd bring this up because Kerwin pointed out to me a gentleman you know we saw this at midnight <laughs> uh the gentleman who was kind of sitting in the front catty kind of catty corner to us who he was falling asleep and he was yeah. doing that thing violently the, the head yeah. nod the the bobblehead as kerwin called yeah. it i was just looking at him out of the corner of my eye and i couldn't stop looking at him so i may have missed a couple of things but um it, it was a very you know, peel back the wrapping paper and look into the world of a, a killer moment. You know, it was, it was, it was a, a, a gripping twist. Mm-hmm. And very, very suspenseful. Needed. The way it was edited, it was like, I haven't been that nervous about a movie scene in a very long time. And I was like, Oh, what is going to happen? When is it going to happen? Cause they were cutting to different scenes. There was certain yeah. things happening, stuff that's in the trailer actually happening. They like, cut to a picture of a kid and then they cut to newspaper clipping and they scroll down and they move and they cut again. Very like guy Ritchie, like pop, pop, pop. Yeah. And also I thought that guy's head was going to fall off. <laughs> so I was extra nervous. <laughs> okay. Um, it was actually, I was going to kind of hint on that also, because if you guys have seen turbo kid out there and Jimmy has Rob has not somehow, that's a very gory t- movie, like very gory. Oh Yeah. And and this is not until mm, it is. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. I was actually a little scared that it was going to be over the top and not suspenseful. It was just going to be like gore, 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 gore. Um, which was my favorite heavy metal song back in the day. 
I don't think that's a real song. Not a, not a real song. Rob, was it a real song or not? Gore, 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 gore. I'm going to say yeah. no. You, you're correct. You're correct. There was at least six more gores. That's correct. I was a little scared it was going to be over the top because the, the trailer made it seem like anything over the top would not be welcome in this movie. And it, this, it wasn't. It was a good uh, level of realism. Almost too real. Mm-hmm. Like uncomfortably real. Like, oh, shit. Oh, they, oh, they went there. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Oh, man. Yeah. Not, not like, not like rip out your guts and, you know, like Turbo Kid was, but um, a very believable way that things happen being vague on purpose. Yeah. Quick spoiler warning here due to something that we want to discuss. There's going to be a movie spoiler, so if you do not like that sort of thing, you're going to want to jump ahead about a minute or so. I think there's really only one little spoilery thing that I kind of want to discuss, and it's in relation to the fact that Caleb Emery, or Woody, from the movie was in the theater with his family. Mm -hmm. And this is an experience that I think that none of us have ever had before, and none of us will probably ever have again. And so, guys, if you are worried about spoilers up to this point, we've done a pretty good job, but um, you might want to jump ahead five minutes or so. But that character gets killed, and he's really the first of the main characters that gets killed. What? What? Yeah, I was watching movie, this right? dude fall asleep, and I totally missed that part. I'm kidding. And there was an audible gasp in the theater, which is different than most horror movies, because most of the times you're the people in the horror movies are so unlikable that you kind of cheer. But there was an audible gasp. The, there was the more than an audible gasp. There was people that actually went, "No, not Woody." Yeah. yeah. Well, and even as we we approached uh, Caleb Emery afterwards, he was very. Very nice guy, very gracious, very open to talking to us. I heard, I don't know if it was his sister. Uh, it was a bunch or... of his friends. It was a group of his friends from, from growing up. They were talking. Because they were but laughing. I, what, no, I heard one female go, I started crying when you died. Oh, that was his cousin. That was, oh, okay. Yeah, because he, he had said that his cousin started crying. Um, so yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, we're in the theater watching him get killed on the screen with his parents, maybe what, seven feet away from us. And like, how weird is that? Was that that was like just a weird experience? Because then, like the movie's over, and you're like, oh, and there he is. Like, what was that like? But you know, it's it's got to be very strange for his parents. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm sure. Um, it it wasn't it did I didn't affect me like that. Yeah, my my reaction was more of the no man. My, my reaction was you killed off my hero. You killed off the guy that I thought was gonna find it all out and save the day. Mm-hmm. Or have a closet full of like corpses, possibly. Who would he not? Could have been. I will admit, I there was at one point where I thought, "Ooh, maybe it's Woody." I was a little bit kind of doing the little mental like thing, like, "Okay, where was this character when this thing happened, and where was that character when that thing happened?" But yeah, connecting the the string on either side with pushpins. Yeah, yeah. I did too. Exactly. So, um, I, I think that closes it out. I mean, what do you have any final thoughts about the the movie? I think it was I think it was a very very well done movie and it's absolutely amazing to me that they filmed the entire thing in 22 days. Yeah, I'm like that's... what is Hollywood doing wrong because for them to be able to put out this kind of a movie in just 22 days I'm like why do we need to spend millions of dollars on these big budget movies? I mean I realize that special effects are kind of expensive and this movie was probably very light on special effects. They pro- I think they did a lot of practical effects, Greg, is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So, but I mean, it's just proof that you don't 
always need it. Sometimes less is more. I mean, the attack and, of that giant robotic dinosaur, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, but it really did. I think that's and where I most never, of the budget went. Totally yeah, never, practical effects, though. Yeah. Never thought Mechagodzilla was going to turn out to be the killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you're, you're right. I mean, it was a strong, I think it was a strong story. Uh, while you, and you said this, the 80s were the setting. It was not so overwhelming. And, oh, another little thing, like, the lot about this movie is the, it's, the kids are 15 or supposed to be 15. And there's a girl that's a couple years older and all of them are going through some stuff. And I, the whole movie is really about, you know, kind of losing your innocence, whether it be yeah. you know, learning something about the neighbors, you know, there might be a divorce or one of them might be a serial killer, all that kind of stuff. But falling in love. Yeah, falling in love. But there was something that happened earlier in the movie or a lot of things where the one kid was completely like obsessed with sex comments. Uh, eats. And, <laughs> that was totally me. <laughs> and uh, for, but we we all looked at each other like, well, that's Rob. But <laughs> but some of the shit he said was so funny. <laughs> oh, it's totally true. But what I thought at first was like, okay, this is a little overdone. Like every time something happened, it was like your mom joke or something like that. I was like, this is a little overdone. And then I paused for a second, and I was like, no, this isn't just about right because that's literally what life was like back then. It was. Yeah constant like oh did you see her boobs did you do this did you do that like that little thing where like you know a, you have a crush on a neighbor girl and you happen to see her in a bikini one day because you went to the neighborhood pool and it was a big deal and that's mm-hmm. all you talked about it was like tell what, what did you see what color was a bikini and like so it made it even more realistic yeah and i think that that realism and like i don't think you necessarily had to live in that era because i think everyone had that summer where they just were out every night on their bike, might have met a girl that they like, they might have gone on little adventures, but they didn't have really a way to get away from their house, like too far. Um, so my, I would My favorite was say, when Woody said, you know, I need to be there when my mom wakes up. Oh, God. <laughs> and Eats goes, after the pounding I gave her, she's going to sleep all night. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. And all of us, everyone in the theater somehow knew to look at Rob. Yeah, everyone stood up and pointed. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I loved it. And I to anyone who says, oh, it's just a Stranger Things ripoff, um, I'll say, one, you didn't live that. Two, uh, you didn't watch the movie. Two, you didn't watch the movie. Yeah, exactly, Rob. Thank you. Um, and I would, you know, if we're going to draw comparisons and, and have, a, you know, kind of a, a compass for this thing, I would compare it more to Stand By Me. Um, I think that's a fair comparison. Thank you. Uh, Stand by me. Very, very little, tiny. If nothing on the supernatural side, Stranger Things is an entity in itself. I mean, you see kids on bikes, and you go, "Oh yeah, Stranger Things." Oh, I mean, that's that's what we did back before the internet to you know show our age and everything. Oh, gold man, get off my lawn, kind of deal. But I love the movie. I think if you're paying five bucks to rent it on Amazon Prime, you're getting a steal. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was a great movie to see in the theater, um, mm-hmm. to experience that with, with people. Um, yeah, with I like that whole situation, like at that yeah. theater specifically. I mean, not everyone's going to get a chance to see it with one of the actors, but I thought it was a mm-hmm. really cool situation just to see that movie. And then you walk out and it was where the theater we saw, there's trees and stuff like that. It is. And I, I, I think it's a very, it's a small theater kind of movie. You know, I think. I'd, I'd hate to walk out of there and have people, oh, Stranger Things rip off, you know, because I You'd might slap them. fight some children. 
Wow. But the Indian. Somebody did not get the point of the movie. Uh, <laughs> the Indian was a, a great place to see it, and uh, you know, if you guys do get to see it at a local theater, then definitely, you know, check it out. But pay the five, bu- five bucks to go s- to see it on Amazon. Watch it with some of your buddies. So support the movie because that was that one was worth your your five dollars to support. And I they, definitely they want a sequel. Like I got home and actually, as I was getting ready because it was that midnight movie you mentioned. As I was getting ready for bed, I was like looking it up. I'm like, is there going to be a sequel? How's it doing? Because I would love to and? see a, a – there's nothing yet. It's still a limited release, so they're not going to be able to announce it. Like, I would love to see, like, a winter of 85. <laughs> now, as promised, we went to see summer of 84 with a friend of the five. That would be Kerwin. And after the movie, we pulled out our trusty podcast microphone and asked him a few questions. Here's that interview so you can hear another perspective about summer of 84. We are finally joined here by my friend Kerwin. Who is laughing at me right now? But I really wanted to get your voice finally on the show. So, what are your initial reactions to Summer of '84, which we just got out of? Um, well, it was really good. First of all, it was really good. Good. But I, I really identified early on with the kid who had the conspiracy theories the whole time. Said Davy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was Davy. Not that I'm a conspiracy nut. I find them fascinating. But he was also he had an Area 51 shirt on. And then he had an alien sticker on his on his bike. I noticed the alien sticker on the bike. I did not notice the shirt. I was picking up on that because I was big into the alien stuff okay. when I was a kid. Cool. So at the time they were growing up, I was growing up at the same time. I was big into the alien stuff. So I connected with that guy. So I could see just looking at some dude and thinking, maybe he's a serial killer. Did it, did it take you back? Because it certainly did take me back. A little bit. I, I didn't grow up in a suburb, though. So I didn't play manhunt. I didn't do a lot of those things. I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't know people. I didn't have cops living across the street. But I grew up with all those movies, which was fun. Okay, yeah. 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 Yeah, we need, when they started, when they all ran out, I I was like, that's manhunt. And I, I guess we got to bring that back. Will, will you join us for a game of manhunt sometime? Yeah. I, I would kick your asses now. Oh, Yeah. Greg just made a good point about too many armed people in Florida. So, what would you think of the end? I like the end. Yeah. Um, without getting any spoilers out. Yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, ready to go. <laughs> By the way, who died? No. Um, no, it was, it was very good. Like, it, it, the, the whole movie was just a build-up, and it was just psychological stuff, and then towards the end, and the story starts coming together, and the way they, they brought it in, it, like, it made sense, and it, it, it just... And it was surprising in certain times. Yep. You know, and that was, it was great. It was great. It was just uh, like, I mean, the guys who made Turbo Kid, they still had the skill in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely agree. So now that you finally met Greg in person and being that you guys are Nemesi, um, do you think you could kick his ass in a fight? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if we're being honest here. He spends all his energy on, like, raising a family and stuff. I'm single. I got no kids. So, I mean, I, I just, uh, I just, all this energy just built up, just ready to explode onto someone. So, all right. the blows, it was just, you know. I, I, ex- I explode on him all the time. Oh, God. I hope that <laughs> microphone did not pick <laughs> that up. <laughs> I don't think anybody heard it anyway. <laughs> I heard it. He has, he has about a month's worth of karate training. 
All right, so we are now going to cut this, and Kerwin and Greg are going to fight to the death. I think it's going to be a very short fight. <laughs> but, Kerwin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for just coming out and seeing it. It's good to hang out with you again. It's been a while. It has been a while. So, more often. Thank you for the insight, Kerwin. And now I think it's time for the question. I think so. That brings us to our question. And this week it is going to be, what are your top five films or shows, even books, about fictitious serial killers? Not to be mistaken for slasher films. You could technically call Jason Voorhees or Mike Myers a serial killer, but those are also characters that... Uh, they took on a supernatural. Toes. Yeah, they dipped their toes into the supernatural side. I was going to give a head nod in my five, so never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll find another one. Okay, and I was go- I was I was going to include them all in one. I was just going to do Jason, Freddy, like Jason, Freddy, Chucky, Mike Myers, all for one entry in the five. No, nah, no, nah, we got we got to go with just straight up serial killer. Mm-hmm. So Rob, go out and find a, a serial killer. Get on your bike, get your flashlight, go find a serial killer. Yes, and come back to us in one piece. Yeah, or multiple. Since it's my lot in life, <laughs> I will go ahead and go first because this was a, a fun one to to research and kind of relive some of the moments from the films. So. Um, Bobcat Goldthwait actually made my list. At number five comes God Bless America. So in that, is Bobcat Goldthwait actually a serial killer? No, he's the director. And there's a character who goes on a serial killing streak out of vigilantism, but he is still a non-supernatural serial killer in the movie. So that's mine. My number four is going to be Summer of 84. I think as time goes on, it might move up. Number three is American Psycho. Based off the book, I'm I'm more specifically talking about the movie. I've not read the book, but Patrick Bateman. I know there's there's questions as to whether or not he actually killed anyone in that. Because uh, they, they say that none of these bodies or none of the, anything was ever found. And like, okay. and I think, well, I've read the book also, so I'm not entirely sure. Like, yes, I d- d- definitely. It's good for your list because of what's going on in his head, but it's entirely possible that he imagined everything. I understand that. Okay, I get that. So my number three is going to be a, a slash um, American Psycho slash creep. How about that? That's fine. I know. I mean, American Psycho was fine. I wasn't. I wasn't. Okay, I wasn't discounting, but it could also be slash creep. I've not seen creep, but anyway, move on. Very serial killer. Yeah. Number two, Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Yeah. My number one uh, serial killer. It's a film. Um, it's going to be the movie Seven. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That might make maybe your list. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I can go. Who's next? All right. I'm going to go with Summer of 84 as my number five. I loved it. Nice. Um, I'm always very wary of putting something so fresh on the, at the like, in the one or two area. Just because, you know, you don't know how things are going to age. Uh, but the exact opposite of things that are fresh, I'm going to go with Psycho as number four with Norman Bates. Because he, I, it wasn't the first serial killer movie that I know of. I believe the first one is a movie called M, which I've not seen. But Psycho was one of, you know, for its time when it came out, it was like very risque. And it delved into reasons for killing. And it was based a little bit on a true story. The story of which um, serial killer? Do you know? Ed Gain. Yep. The lovely serial killer that liked to make uh, curtains of his victims, amongst other things. 
lampshades and the the very very loose based on a true story texas chainsaw yeah. massacre i believe uh, rob actually has one of his lampshades in his house it's, it's lovely it's lovely i i i may actually yeah, it matches uh his carpet it's beautiful anyway uh my number three is actually the tv show hannibal which i thought did a really good job it was very artsy which is some, and it had a lot of dream sequences which is a lot of things i hate but in this case, it actually worked really well, and it was beautifully shot and beautifully put together. And I think it – some people think it lasted a little – I think it lasted three or four seasons, and some people say it should have gone longer. But I think it lasted exactly as long as it was supposed to because you can only have him escape so many times. Uh, number two, Silence of the Lambs. And Jimmy said everything he needs to say about that. Well, that was actually a twofer, wasn't it? Hannibal and Silence of the Lambs? No. Well, there's Hannibal Lecter, a serial killer – used to help find another serial killer in yeah, that's uh, true. Wild Bill. That's true. It puts the lotion on its skin. Or else it gets the hose again. Exactly. You know, there's a story, this is actually very interesting for the podcast. There was a story about the song that was played in that scene. When he does Goodbye Horses yep. by Q Lazarus. Yes, and no one for the longest time knew where she went. And Very reclusive. Yeah, yeah. did you hear that someone found her? Like, last week. She's like a bu- oh, She's really? like a bus driver or something and someone wrote a someone wrote like a tweet or something and she actually responded and said no i'm still here and i'm wow yeah that's really cool last last time i heard she was like up in new york very reclusive uh crosses uh featuring chino marino no surprise uh covered the song oh a very iconic theme have you not heard the crosses version i might have I, i might not have put the two things but um so last year, a fan named Kelsey Zimmerman, who has a band, wanted to cover it and said, time to do my monthly Google of whether anyone has heard from Q Lazarus yet. And she responded. And, the, you know, the girl's like, uh, really? Like, no, you're just making, you're just messing with me. And she actually talked to her. And she she lives in Staten Island, I believe. And she is, uh, she does bus driving stuff. There's a bunch of other stuff about her. The, the story is on Stereogum.com. And if you look up I'm gonna have yeah, to if you look up out. Q Lazarus, it's Q L A Z Z A R U S, and it's been 30 years since she's like been interviewed and stuff, and she did that. So there we go. I believe. Uh, okay, so yeah, there was there were some response pieces, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that brings. Yes, yeah, so it does bring me to my number one. My number one, and there's another little bit of bit of a story here. When I saw Seven, I had no idea what it was about. I had just gotten to college, and some people just, some people grabbed oh, me and said, "Hey, let's go go see this movie." Um, back then in a college town. Every movie theater is packed, you, and if you didn't get there like 30 minutes beforehand, you had to find other seating, you know, like with you weren't sitting with your friends. Mm-hmm. So I remember I was sitting away from everyone I knew, and relatively strange town. I think I'd only been there for like a month or two. And at the point in Seven, which is my number one, where the the dude coughs, and he's, a, you know, the, the sloth guy, when he coughs... Mm-hmm. I ended up with some random co-ed in my lap because she jumped out of her seat over the little bar and landed directly in my lap. And while I was terrified, my first thought was college is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And seven, seven put me in a David Bowie like fever pitch for like the second half of that year. Like up until like spring, I listened to nothing but the David Bowie like outside album that came out around that time and nothing but like nine inch nails and industrial music just because of that movie so seven is my number one hands down yeah 
Nice. I'm Afraid of Americans by David Bowie with Trent Reznor in the video. Chasing that was actually around. a few years later, too. But yeah, basically, it was the same type oh. of music, though. It was basically the the evolution point. But Outside was very weird. It was like a story of this like artist that was really a serial killer, and he did all the voices for it. And if you tr- tried to fall asleep to it, you were going to have terrible nightmares. I'll let you borrow it. Yes, please do. Okay, Rob, you're last. Well, I all right. I'll go ahead and throw mine out there. Um, I, I found one that I had forgotten about that I actually saw the movie and was pleasantly surprised because while I don't consider Kevin Costner to be a master actor, um, he actually did a really good job in a movie called Mr. Brooks in which he actually played a serial killer with, but he was super organized and knew what to do and how to get away with it. And for him, it was really kind of more of a, of a mental disorder that he was aware of that knew that he had to do this in order for him to stay safe because he was a successful, successful guy otherwise, but for him to stay sane, this was something that he needed to do. He needed the outlet. So he would go out, do that and then make sure that he like destroyed all the evidence. So he had all like all these procedures in place to do. And then of course, everything starts to fall apart when he finds out that his daughter suffers from the same condition, except she's not nearly as organized and methodical as he is. I completely so forgot. I it was forgot actually, about that movie. I'd never seen it. Did you saw it too, Greg? I think it's possible I saw it when I was working at Blockbuster. It was one of those like you could watch four movies every week kind of thing. I'm pretty sure that's that's when I saw it. Absolutely. No, it wasn't when it no, because it was two thousand seven. It's definitely not it. It was it was good. I enjoyed it. Um my number four, um probably probably the oldest one on my list, but even that one I think was like nineties. Maybe, but I'm going to go with natural born uh, killers. Nice. nice Very little, good choice. Yeah. Nice little story about a, a, a couple of serial killers. Um, my number three is going to step out of the big screen and move on to the little screen. And I'm going to go with my number three as Dexter. That was almost there. Then I remember the last season. I've seen one episode. I've seen all of them. And it was, it was a TV show about a serial killer who only and killed the last season was terrible. I'm sorry. My my number two is going. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna differ from you guys a little bit because I think my one and two. Well, no, my one and two are completely reversed of YouTube. So my number two is gonna be Seven. Seven was an excellent movie. Uh, very well done. Great suspense. Really interesting serial killer. But I cannot go against Hannibal Lecter as the number one. So I'm gonna put Silence of the Lambs at number one. Okay. Will you do that with a side of fava beans? Yes, completely. And? And, and a Chianti. Okay. Yeah. At this time, we will narrow down our top five and give you our definitive Give Me Five podcast. Top five fictional serial killer movies, books, TV shows, what have you. Okay, so we know Silence of Lambs is one of them. And we know that uh, Seven. Seven is Seven. one of them as well. Yeah. yeah, so we'll have to debate the one or two with that. And I think as one of the originals, Psycho should be in there. And I think we all possibly might like Summer of 84 in there. But I don't, it was not in Rob's definitive list. It was so not. You... I can I can give you Summer of 84. That one was pretty good. But that being the case, I would want to fight for either Natural Born Killers or Mr. Brooks. Um, probably okay. Natural Born Killers simply because it was it was a big movie at the time that it came out. I mean, I remember everybody talking about it. 
everyone's talking about it, but it did not do very well business, very good business. But it was it was very controversial. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll help fight for that because the Natural Born Killers soundtrack had an exclusive Nine Inch Nails song called "Burn," which is probably my favorite Nine Inch Nails song. So all right, I'll I, take whatever help I can get. This okay. world rejects me. This world threw me away. So good. And it builds up, and then, oh, I'm gonna burn this whole world. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> don't so, drive. Don't drive to that song. There, there will be speeding tickets. Actually, there was a speeding ticket. To be uh, completely honest, that's funny. So I will stick and NBK Natural Born Killers at number five for now. I would say since Rob was reluctant but willing, um, how about Summer of '84 at five? Natural Born Killers at yeah. four. I can I can deal with that. Okay, I'll let you two fight over Psycho and Dexter for number three. Dexter really has its place in popular culture. It it really does, but I can't deny that. It, we're talking the original Psycho, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And none of the sequels, and none of the, the remakes. The original Psycho, I, I I almost feel like launched the serial killer movies. Yeah, that's why I put I, it on there. Yeah, so I, I gotta feel that that of the two that that Psycho probably deserves a spot on the list. That I'm being said, yeah. that being said, Seven is excellent. However, if if Psycho is is the uh, the the Vince McMahon of of serial killer movies, Hannibal Lecter is the Hulk Hogan, and I I, I really think that Silence of the Lambs should be number one. I thought you were going to say he was the Eric Bischoff. No. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Psycho nah. might have launched it, but Silence of the Lambs was like... Silence of the Lambs legitimized it. Yeah. I will say that because it is the one that won Academy Awards and other awards. And it... Yeah, it was like the first horror film to win. Yeah. It, it technically a horror film to win an Academy Award, which we place so much faith in. Um so what do we what do we go? So I, I think I, we're. Go, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I still I happen to like seven better, but I do as well. But I do think that Silence of the Lambs does have its thing. I, seven is the first one that has a ha, that really shows a serial killer with a a theme or a like a motive or a you know like the Zodiac killer that kind of thing. Right. Whereas Silence of the Lambs, it was just he really just like killing to eat people. But well, he was but, making but, he was making a, a suit. Because remember, the serial well, killer in the movie wasn't really Hannibal Lecter. However, yeah. Hannibal Lecter was the star of the movie. The serial <laughs> killer in the movie was Buffalo Bill. Yeah. And I'd give that number one because, like I said, it was a twofer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so let's let's close it out. All right. Uh, Summer of 84 or 5. Natural Born Killer is number four. Psycho, number three. The original and only of the original. Seven is number two. There's a lot of numbers in this. And Silence, <laughs> Silence of the Lambs is number one. I Boom. can get behind that list. I, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. We I will stick we a knife in it. Ha! Huh. No, I don't get it. We'll come back and chew on it later. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's not say not goodbye. Either. Let's say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> you think after 51 episodes, you guys would be better at this? <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we really appreciate you sticking around. We hope you. We hope to have you for all of our next episodes. We look forward to hearing from you. Write, let us know what your favorites are. 
Also, let us know what uh, what games you remember playing as you grew up. We want to hear about that or any urban legends that you have as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Did you grow up in a place where you had the New Jersey Devil, um, where you had any of those other legends? We'd love to hear your experiences with those. And also, if you have not had a chance to listen to it, go back one episode to episode 50, Side B, and check out our interview with Tim Capello. And, Please do. Um, yeah. Lots more nostalgia. Yes. Timmy was a great guest. Yeah. You, you can find you know his work at timcapello.com. Uh, professionally, he's known it as, as Tim Capello, but to us, he is Timmy, and he is a friend of the five. Yes. He's also the sexy sax man. And, or, and on or that. not. That is. <laughs> Nobody said shit. <laughs> he is. Uh, yeah, I, was, I, I thought it would be good to end on Rob saying sexy sax man. Oh, uh, all right. It, uh, I mean, it was like crickets. I thought I'd said something wrong. <laughs> Since yeah. I- since I missed most of that interview, I didn't know if he if he uh, objected to the name. No, he actually murders everyone that says that. Oh, sweet! And the last four people that uh, called them the sexy sax man died in, in mysterious ways. So we're accepting applications for a third member now that uh, as Tim Robbie Capello is going to turn him turn him into a skin suit. He's totally going to final destination me. <laughs> Something like that. close right now yeah. we are super <laughs> close <laughs> talking to the same <laughs> microphone uh, yeah, hey I, I, i'm like two feet away it's and good I'm to see you man good to shoulder see you, squeeze shoulder I'm squeeze <laughs> Did, i didn't ever hit record um you're gonna have to do it again even closer no. <laughs> it's so hot in here i'm gonna die don't be dead dude